If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I really do appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot. So I, I'm serious when I say thank you. Um, before we get into this week's episode, I just want to kind of touch base with you guys and just sort of see how you're doing. I know that, you know, COVID is just a nightmare for everyone right now, and it's likely only getting worse. So, you know, it's tough right now. It's really tough. And I just wanted to check in with you guys and, and make sure that you're okay. I hope that everyone in your world is safe and healthy. I hope that you are safe and healthy. And, uh, you know, reach out and talk to people, try and stay connected in other ways so that you don't, um, become too isolated. So, you know, especially with the holidays coming up, it's going to be really hard, you know, not seeing family and friends over the holidays, but, you know, at least in the States, uh, it's advised that we don't do that for safety reasons. So just, you know, talk to people, do zoom calls, you know, video calling, face, FaceTiming, whatever, whatever works for you to help you stay connected, uh, with the people in your life. Uh, reach out and call someone to check on them, make sure they're okay. And, uh, you know, people can do the same for you. So just, uh, hang in there and and we will, we will get through this. So, uh, that said, let's get into this week's episode. Um, it's another parent to parent conversation where this week I get to meet, uh, or I got to meet, uh, Tammy Sigay. Uh, she's a single mom, uh, living in Canada and we talk a lot about her autistic son and the journey that she's been on with him. And uh, we talk about some of the differences uh, between how the diagnosis process takes place in Canada versus like in the States, uh, how school is different and, and all the different uh, kind of things that are going on that kind of highlight some of the differences culturally and, and, and whatever. So very cool conversation. She was a blast to talk to. I think it was a really great conversation and I really enjoyed uh, talking to her. So I hope you guys will stay tuned. I think you'll learn something. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Uh, and we're back. And today I'm having another parent to parent conversation. This time uh, we have Tammy Sege uh, with us and uh, we're just going to have a conversation about parenting and uh, special needs parenting and just kind of, you know, see what, see what kind of different experiences that, um, you know, she's had in her life and, and, and it kind of helps us to remember that everybody's different and everybody's struggles are unique and uh, everybody's family is unique. Cause a lot of times I think when we, when we see autism or, or, you know, down syndrome or whatever happens to be, um, 
we kind of lump everybody into the same group and we just assume it's the same diagnosis so that, you know, their experiences might be the same as what, you know, someone else is going through. And there are commonalities, but a lot of times there's a lot of differences. And so we want to allow people to be unique and their experiences to be different. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that by having these conversations that we, we accomplish that. So thank you uh, very much for taking the time to come on the show, Tammy. Thanks yeah. for having me. You're welcome. Uh, would you want to take a couple minutes and just sort of tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I'm Tammy. <laughs> um, I also have ADHD, so it kind of makes parenting crazy. <laughs> um, my son is on the spectrum. He's 16 years old. He was diagnosed at four. Um, he was diagnosed with nonverbal autism because he can only say one word. He wouldn't say a sentence at four years old. Um, but now he's 16 and he doesn't stop talking. <laughs> so it's a, a gradually improved, but it's been definitely a struggle to get where we are now. Uh, that's, I can, well, not 16, but I can relate because my youngest um, is 12 now. He was diagnosed, um, they started really early with him, like like pretty early, like two years old, I think, is when we started looking. Um, yes, one second. I'm s- Emmett, honey, open the door. Okay, but okay, okay. Can we? Can we? Don't do Emmett. Don't touch anything. Okay, I'm 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 busy now. Okay. <sighs> okay. I know. So I, you know, I I leave all that stuff in now because every freaking time I have these, I I, I schedule recordings. Like I can be in my room for hours working quietly and have them occupy themselves. But as soon as I need them to not bother me on purpose, uh, uh, it it happens. And that's Emmett who I was talking about. He was diagnosed very early in life. Uh, I think he was around two years old and was diagnosed. I mean, we were told he was nonverbal because he didn't talk. He did. Yeah. I think it was more preverbal because he, he, he didn't use words. He used tones. And so it sort of sounded like he was, singing kind of like there was just like a like a like a musical tone to to the noises that he made and and i know a lot of people don't get that part they get like screeching or something that can be very difficult but uh as you can tell i don't know if you could hear it or not he he started (laughs) talking at like five or six years old and has just he won't stop and so I, 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 I get where you're, where you're <laughs> Yeah, Cameron that. started off like that too. Like he wouldn't say like words at four. He'd say Kiki and it kind of meant cookie. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say cookie. You just say like Kiki and other words like that. So yeah, we, we, started yeah. Le- we started learning sign language and um, trying to find ways of, of communicating mm-hmm. because like we, we thought he was deaf too, because you could come up, he would not respond to any, um, like uh, auditory type of stimulus. He, he would like, we could come up behind him with uh, like, like what lids for pots or whatever and clank them together really loud behind him. And he wouldn't startle. He wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even like his eyes wouldn't move. He would just be transfixed on whatever he was watching. Uh, and they told us that he was, he was probably deaf and we went through all the testing and uh, they did this thing called an ABR where they like uh, they sedate him and put these little, electrodes on his head and, and test to see if his brain is actually processing sound. And it turns out that he's just ignoring us <laughs> the whole time. He just tuned us all out. Uh, and then it just sort of one day he just started talking like he'd been talking his entire life. What was that? How did, yeah. how did your son transition into talking? Um, he's, he did like the sounds for a long time. Like at eight years old, he started saying two words and mm-hmm. his words became more clear. Like it was more of a cookie by eight. And then it was like, I want cookie, but I wasn't like more than that. Like there was no please. Like he wouldn't add the extra words into uh-huh. it. Then I don't know. At 14, he went through a growth spurt and just started saying like full sentences out of nowhere. <laughs> do you think, so, do you think that he, I, and I've always wondered this with, with Emmett and he, he doesn't remember, but do you think that he, he had the language all the time and just didn't, 
I I think so because actually when he was started talking more and sometimes I went back to my old ways and talk for him. Uh-huh. That's why I learned not to do that because he's like, mom, you always said the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm like, well, I was guessing. I don't know. <laughs> no one somebody asks him a question he doesn't answer i was like answer for him and yeah yeah, he didn't like that (laughs) but he only told me like years later yeah i was i was wondering because it it just seemed like when emmett started talking it's like he had absorbed everything since he was little and then it was just the gears kicked in and he just started talking like and, and he's got like very advanced language skills so so he can do a lot of verbal gymnastics that i have to stop and be like whoa 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 wait a minute let me you're getting way ahead of me here. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, you gotta slow it down a minute. Cause I can't follow you. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's cool. Cause I think a lot of people, I don't know how many people experience it that way. They're, they're yeah. either verbal, like appropriately as they, as they hit their milestones or they're not. And, and I, I've, I've not met too many people who are like in between, like, like what you were saying with your son. Yeah. And I think it's harder for them to understand too. Like I've had to change my son's school a few times because every time he hit a milestone, they they wouldn't reach his milestone. They wanted to treat him like the first day he went to that school. They wouldn't. So they weren't adapting to him. No. And they couldn't. They're like, well, he can't. I'm like, he can now. No, he couldn't last week, but now he can. (laughs) It was like, so we changed school. So they didn't know his past and they would just carry on to where he is now. And that seemed to help for him uh well okay so let me let me let me try and get through some of these questions because it never happens and i'm determined one of these times we're going to do this so okay uh what was when did you first have your son you said he was diagnosed at he was four four. how how did you um how did you know to look for something i guess I didn't really think of it because I I also have a cousin who is autistic. He's an adult, mm-hmm. but he's like extremely autistic. He doesn't talk. He doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. you can't have a conversation of any kind with him. So that's what my impression of autism was. I didn't know there was like a whole spectrum at that time. Mm-hmm. And he played normally. Um, I, I knew there was something wrong. So I did home daycare so I could stay home with him. And he played very well with the other kids. So there wasn't that non-social issue or anything. Mm-hmm. And he loves cars and he would line them all up. So I thought he was just making a parking lot. I didn't see anything <laughs> wrong with it personally. I don't know. I, was, I didn't really play with cars as a kid. So to me, I thought that's how boys play. They were making, I don't know. <laughs> then he, we started having some behavior problems mostly at school and um he was in kindergarten or grade one somehow he got a hold of a pair of scissors and cut a girl's sweater so the school immediately called cas like children's service on us i'm like how is it my fault he caught her sweater at school like i didn't give him the scissors anyways they came they observed him and then they recommend a whole bunch of people to come in and um they thought it was Asperger's because he was so high functioning in other areas. It was just his language was delayed. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but then from that on, from then on, he kind of stopped progressing for a couple of years, okay. and he kind of like just stayed three, four years old for like a good four or five years. And then he just caught up. <laughs> he just caught up. Yeah, that, it was kind of weird. Like I don't know what happened. My my oldest is twenty. Uh he's gonna be twenty one, which makes me feel incredibly <laughs> old. Um he he developed typically until he was about four about four years old and then regressed. And so yeah. he's he's twenty, but in most areas of his, his emotional development, uh and even a lot of, even the cognitive development, he's, he is yeah. about five or six, maybe in some areas, maybe a little bit older in some and a little bit younger in others. Um, and he, he, you know, I mean, he's the way that his is, is, I don't, I mean, I don't think he's going to catch up. He can learn new skills and he's very, 
he's very um he's very determined in everything that he does uh but it mm-hmm. does it does present challenges you know because they see yeah they see when you look at him you see a 20 year old with a beard and and <laughs> everything else but yeah but, but when he gets upset he has a meltdown <laughs> i mean and you know he, he responds yes. sort of like a like a toddler or a, a first grader or something and things and that's that's sort of difficult to navigate yes yeah like when i say he caught up it's like he caught up and not like a typical 16 year old like he's not going to go out and get his license or i can't even leave him home alone for an hour an hour is the max and then i don't feel like it's safe mm-hmm. and then um that's yeah he has challenges in certain areas too. Now, and you're in Canada, right? Yes. Okay. Now, is that, see, I've always wondered, like, how, how, how do you guys, like, how is the diagnostic process for you guys? Is it, um, is it, a, is it a hassle? Like, like it's a nightmare it, for a lot of. It is a lot of waiting and waiting. And, um, I know a lot of parents who wait, but, um, <laughs> I don't know. I was determined. So I would call the hospital every day, calling with Cameron screaming in the background every day. So I think they might have pushed up his appointments sooner than maybe some other Squeaky wheel. (laughs) Squeaky wheel gets the grease. I complain way too much, I guess. (laughs) Well, but you know what, though? You're you're advocating. And I think we we have to, as parents, I think we have to do that. Otherwise, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, well, no, yeah. I, like I, I respect that. I think that was, that was the right approach, especially if it worked. Uh, <laughs> it worked, and um, like I told them, I, I also had at that time when he was four, I also had my daughter who was a newborn, and I, I couldn't put her anywhere. I had to hold her all the time because he was gonna crush her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he had no sense that she was a baby, or yeah, you know, he just. We had the same thing I'm actually. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I was like. And I didn't really have any help, so I couldn't help help him or her because you know, I had this baby, and then I had him, and then it was like I needed help, so I just called every day. I'm like, I need help. I can't do this. So they came, and they're like, Well, we can take Sarah, my daughter. I'm like, No, there's nothing. She's a baby. <laughs> like, you know, I just had her. I was still breastfeeding her, and like, no, like they wouldn't even consider. Cameron or helping him or anything, which I'm grateful for. I'm glad I did it. But in that moment, I was like, I didn't know what to do. Everything he was like tearing the house apart, and I just didn't know anything about anything. So I had to start doing all my own research and figuring it out on my own. So this was all before he was diagnosed, right? Yes. That's did it, when did it change after he was out. diagnosed? Like when you knew what was going on? Did that when I knew about it? Like it started slowly. At first, they thought maybe Asperger's, but then his language wasn't where it should be for Asperger's. Then they thought autism, but he was sociable. <laughs> I guess when you're autistic, you're not supposed to be sociable. <laughs> He's not sociable now, but when he was little, he would play with any kid that wanted to play. He didn't. I, he didn't know how to play with them, but he wanted to follow them and parallel play. I think they call it parallel play, like when they are. Yeah, they're playing so together, four, but they're all doing different things. Yeah, so at four, it kind of didn't really look like a problem because a lot of the kids in our neighborhood at that time were all into tag. So he was just running around, and it looked like he was playing with them. So, <laughs> you know, when my Elliot, he's my fourteen-year-old, and him and Emmett, Emmett is uh, twelve; he's my youngest. They were both diagnosed about the same time. Uh, when, when Gavin, Gavin presented in a way that was very, like, like there was no denying that there was something going on or, or that he, he viewed the world different or he interacted with things differently. So we knew he was autistic. Um, he was diagnosed. And so we, we knew what was going on, but when the other two came along, they seemed, I mean, Emmett didn't talk and he, he would, he was very aggressive, uh, before he talked, because I think there was a lot of frustration that he couldn't mm-hmm. communicate, but autism never occurred to us because they were both so different than their older brother. And, and so yeah. we had, we didn't have the experience to realize that 
they can both have, they can all have the same diagnosis and just be profoundly different. And, you know, like Gavin, Gavin's very social, you know, I mean, he, he has no problem walking up to people and talking to them and he, you know, hugs and, um, you know, so, so there is a lot of stereotypes that, that he doesn't really fit. Uh, so, so, so when my, when it didn't occur to me, it didn't occur to us that Elliot was possibly on the spectrum until we started kindergarten and we saw him in a room with, you know, 20 or 30 neurotypical peers. Yeah. And then it became like, like, I, I, I walked out of the room and I, I broke down and cried because like, I wasn't disappointed or anything like that, but it was, it was like, Oh my God, like, how did I miss that? Yeah. You know, and I, and, and sometimes you, you need that. You, I mean, you just don't know cause you don't have that frame of reference. And, um, yeah. so it's a, that's, yeah, I, I think that happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I don't know. If you talk to him, he seemed to understand. He wouldn't really say his words, but I just, he was going to speech therapy before all of this. So I thought it was just like a speech delay and he would just catch up like, thought he was only four like he's still a baby but I don't know how how has being a special needs parent changed well okay has being an autism parent changed you definitely I used to be really shy and not talk to anybody at all I was like very quiet and now I'm not shy at all I think that is all on Cameron. He made me not shy because we had a, I had a fight for him so much for so many reasons. It's just, yeah, it broke my shyness. Well, that's good. So you, so you grew, <laughs> kind of came out of I your def- shell. He de- yes, he definitely made me grow up faster. <laughs> Do you, did, did going through the diagnostic process and, and having him diagnosed with autism and the behaviors and whatever you were dealing with, did that impact relationships in your life? Like with family and friends, were they supportive? Um, Did they understand? Did they take time to kind of come on board? My family like to say they support me and I think they do in their own way. They just don't know how and they don't understand. Like when he's sitting at their dinner table and he starts being louder and he doesn't scream, but he'll like make a loud noises when he's getting um like excited. Like, I don't know if I'm not excited, but like if there's too many people around him talking, he'll just start getting louder and louder and louder. Not really saying words, but then they're like, Cameron, like be quiet or like or he'll start eating faster and they're like, slow down. And it's like, they just, they don't get that it's part of the autism, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I made it really hard. Um, his father also did not accept it. He still hasn't accepted it. So he, it's Cameron's choice, but he doesn't want anything to do with his dad. I try to encourage it. His dad calls him constantly, but he will never answer the phone. So I don't know. I'm sorry about that. That's, <laughs> That makes it harder. It does. Um, do you have, you, you mentioned that your family supports you in kind of their own way, right? Like, yeah, like, 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 like well-intentioned. And yeah. They'll call and say how we're doing and, but they just don't, they don't get it. You know, like they're like, ah, oh. I would invite you over this weekend, but I know you're you're too busy or it's gonna be offered like they always and they ask, but they give an answer why I won't go at the same time. That, so it's kind of like <laughs> that's interesting because that's so common. Um, yeah. you know, when I and even with mine, like I'm the oldest of six and my family is super supportive and uh my ex in laws are super supportive and all all of that. So like we have that, but there came a point where, especially early on when, when we were invited to go to like family functions and stuff like that. And, you know, my wife and I at the time would be like, well, man, there's just no way this is going to end well. And, and so you can, you can kind of gauge going into it, how bad the fallout's going to be when you come home or how overstimulated they're going to be when they're there. 
and you can yeah. just see the meltdowns and, and everything else. And it's sometimes it's easier just to not go. And, <laughs> yeah. and then people start to take it personally. Like you just don't want to mm-hmm. come over or, or you've got like, you know, you're better than us or whatever, whatever, whatever the thing is. And it's not the case at all. And, no, no. And I think my family get that. They just don't know how to make it. They just don't know how to accept him if he did go. So we kind of just go to the family events that are outside so he can sit farther away from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then it's just better. Yeah. So we just don't go to the indoor ones. <laughs> so, and, and this may be a bridge too far. So you, you don't have to answer this, obviously, if, if you're uncomfortable, but what, and I've never really asked anybody this before. What, sometimes, you know, people are, are well-intentioned and they try and support you in the only way that they know how. And, it, yeah. and you appreciate the gesture, but it doesn't really help. And sometimes it can even create more problems, if that makes sense. And how, how, what do you need? How do you need to be supported? I guess if that makes sense, like, what do you need? Um, like how, what can people do to to be supportive in a way that actually benefits you and your son, if that makes sense? Yeah, I don't know. I thought about that a lot. <laughs> um, it just, I think just doing things my way. <laughs> like, um, I have a great aunt. She, she, she is like my main supporter. And because she used to teach a special needs class um, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And even though she doesn't understand his autism, because that wasn't a thing back then, or if it was, they weren't in her school, they were sent somewhere else um, at that time. So she wants to help me. And she's like, I'm just going to do what you're doing now. (laughs) So like, she just supports what I'm doing. If I'm saying something, she will reinforce what I'm saying instead of adding advice. But then after the situation is done, she'll call and she's like, can we talk about what happened? And like, why did you do it that way? And I'll explain it to her. And she's like, well, that makes sense. (laughs) But she's the only person who totally gets how I do things and why. (laughs) That's so cool though. That that really is cool. That's a perfect example for anybody listening, whether, whether you're, if you have a loved one, uh, who's an autism parent or, or whatever, that is, that is Mm -hmm. like the perfect way because you can't go wrong no you support the parent in the moment yeah and then you come you approach them afterwards and just be like hey can you help me understand like what you were doing and why and you explain it and they get it and then it's like (laughs) that that's so cool yeah sometimes you still like thinks i should do things differently and i probably should i'm not perfect but i just try to avoid the meltdowns in public as much as possible because mm-hmm. Cameron is so big he's like probably almost 300 pounds and he's like six foot I don't know maybe two or three <laughs> so we try to just avoid the meltdowns in public just because he's so big and he's just we live in a very very small town so people would just not be as understanding and it's just yeah so, <laughs> so okay well so you're you're in a small town do you do you find that there's a lot of awareness? Um, no, that's why I've been doing. Um, well, I, I'm not ha- not doing it this year, but usually I do autism. Um, yeah, aut- aut- sorry, <laughs> autism Ontario. That's where I am, and um, I do it for the Upper Canada chapter. That's my area. Mm-hmm. I used to be the prince, the president for like three years or four cool. years. I don't remember <laughs> to bring awareness to my community because there wasn't any, like there was special needs. Everybody had special needs, no matter what it was, there wasn't any, it wasn't and specified. Yeah, yeah. Like even, and then we try to organize like groups where um, people on the spectrum can come and meet and like do these bunch of activities. Um, they have this in the bigger city in Ottawa. And so I wanted to bring it to my community, but then as like I'd call and I'm like, I'd reserve a thing like um, a spooky walk, for example. I'd call and organize it. But then as soon as they found out everybody coming was going to be on the spectrum, they're like, no, we're going to give you back your money. You can't come. <laughs> so it's like, really? like, 
they're like is um, our spooky walk is not made for people in the spectrum I'm like it's a spooky walk how is it not made for like I don't get it like they're not allowed to have a Halloween because they're on the spectrum it's like I don't know I don't understand so anyways we canceled and we just trying really hard to get them to understand in other ways yeah and and that's you know I don't know if it matters the size of the city or whatever you live in. Cause I live, no. I live in uh, Northeast Ohio and yeah. we're, you know, it, it's a pretty populated area. And you know, when April rolls around every month or every month, Oh my God, I've, I've still lost track of time. I can't even think half the time. Um, when autism awareness month rolls around every year, there's nothing you know, we have, we have, yeah. we have autism speaks that'll do walks, which I, I don't really support a whole lot of that stuff, but, uh, like all the, we have the autism society, which I fully support. Mm-hmm. They, they do a lot of really like grassroots, like in the community, helping individual people. Um, and we've done their walks and, and stuff like that, but there's no, there, there's no really acknowledgement. There's no, people don't seem to it's not like you have like um like breast cancer awareness month or something which is i think october uh or yeah. nove- october november and and yeah. so so you'll see things around you know billboards or whatever talking about it to raise awareness but when it comes to things mm-hmm. like autism there's there just hasn't been anything around it and it's no. it's frustrating um and i and i think it's something that needs to change i i just i don't i don't know how to do it me either. I've been trying. I've been working with the organization for a long time. I do um, Special Olympics too. I find Special Olympics is more accepting for some reason. Maybe because it doesn't have a label of what it is. Mm-hmm. Like um, in our group of Special Olympics where I live is mostly everybody in the group is mostly on the autism spectrum. There are some other ones like Down syndrome, but in general, it's mostly but I think, I don't know if it's because there's no name attached to what their diagnosis is, if it's more accepting in our community, or I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, it seems like autism is just, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if it scares people. Like they don't, maybe. Like they don't know. And, and I think a lot of it is, is just ignorance. And that's not like an insult yeah. on anybody. It just means lack of understanding or lack of knowledge. And, and I think a lot of it is that. Yeah. But I think because. You can't see it like Down syndrome. You, you, it's noticeable more, so it's like you yeah. can't see it. Like if somebody's in a wheelchair, you see it. Their autism, they look perfectly normal. <laughs> like you can't see it unless you're talking to them. And even then, most even people, then sometimes yeah, yeah. Even most people would not know that my two youngest were on the spectrum, unless yeah. you're a professional who knows what you're looking for, or you're another autism parent who yeah. who can sort of read between the lines and, and pick up on some of the quirky nuances <laughs> that, you know, kind of make them unique. And, and, uh, but yeah, it, it is, it, it is, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I, I, it is, it feels like an uphill battle a lot of times just trying to get people to, to understand. And yeah, you know, that's, that's so cool that you're doing all that stuff though. That's, that's really impressive. <laughs> right, but before we started recording, uh, you had mentioned something about school, uh, today and uh, the, the routine was kind of thrown off a little bit and that generated this question. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, COVID's affecting everybody. I think you guys are actually doing pretty decent. In Canada? Actually, yes. Especially in Martown, we're doing really well. We think I think we only have like eight people who actually have it right now. So we're doing extremely well. I just chose remote learning because trying to get them to wear a mask and all the changes yeah. would have just been I didn't want to deal with the after school meltdown from that. Yeah. Well, and you know, like it's it's so it, it's uh you know, it's, it's why take the chance too, you know? I mean, yeah, that too. Like, I don't want it. Like we have, I'm in Ohio and I think we're setting new records for our state every day. 
uh, and yeah. the United States in general is just shameful. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that has impacted everything. But yeah. back to what we were talking about with you and your son with school, how has, how has remote learning, is this the first year you did remote learning? It is. Um, last year he was having some problems at school. So we started doing, I started not let, not making him go to school as much. So he'd only go to school two or three days a week, uh -huh. usually two. And then the rest of the week we would just do his work at home. So mm -hmm. he, he kind of got into it last year and then their school closed in March, like completely mm -hmm. until the end of the school year. And then, um, this year, the school gave us the option of in-person or the remote learning. Like, there's a choice. There's a lot of kids that are in school here, but I chose the remote learning, especially, like, my daughter has cats, so she can't hear unless she sees your lips. So I just kept them both home. I figured it'd just be easier for us. And then, you know, we don't have to catch it or... or and yeah. the routine, like, I don't know how the kids are doing it, even the ones that are, you know, not on the spectrum, how they do it, because, like, if some person in the class is sick, they close the class for 14 days and then go back to school. Like It's so disruptive. It, it doesn't mean. Yeah. Like even for like a normal child, like I don't want to say normal, but you know, like, I, yeah, I, know what you mean. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like to me, my, my kids were in this constant debate of why do we even, why are they even going to school right now? Because it's not like it matters. <laughs> And, and I mean, like I, I get where they're coming from and I don't disagree with them in one sense, but I, th I think it's important that they, we need to keep their minds active and distracted at the very least and try Definitely, and yeah. keep some kind of semblance of a routine in order to keep their lives as stable as possible. I would not under any circumstances put my kids in the classroom right now. I've been very vocal about that, but no. uh, I'm in the United States and that's not the place to be you know, if you want to avoid COVID. Uh, so, so with my kids, there's the transition and the struggle, like doing work outside of the live classes and even some of the live classes, there's a lot of technical issues still. And um, how is, how, how does your son, how did he handle the transition? Does he, does he do better remotely than he does in the classroom like is is it less sort of the expectations and the stress and anxiety and stuff is that less this way i i think for him it's better than in-person classes personally i know a lot of people have had the struggle with the um internet and all that stuff i don't know i'm fortunate we have good internet i have three servers <laughs> because we use a lot of internet so that kind of helps um and he's been getting into YouTubing. <laughs> so I, I told him if he wants to be a YouTuber, he had to research it and he had to find who he, who his role model is. And the three he picked have really high levels of education. So I'm like, see, to get where they are, they went to school. So you have to go to school to get where they are. And nice. that's kind of like encourages him to go to school but he's um like i said he is 16 he has caught up a lot but his educational wise he's not he's supposed to be in grade 11 he's definitely not doing grade 11 work maybe like grade six so like <laughs> he's doing well but obviously like not as well as he sh should be well for his grade so his his classroom is like modified mm -hmm. it's called a special needs class or mm -hmm. no life skills class <laughs> I don't know. um yeah so they they do things like they do projects about safety on the internet and money management and all that so he's doing pretty good what are are there any are there any sort of unique challenges that that you guys kind of have to deal with on a daily basis that maybe most um, people wouldn't understand Definitely routine. We have the same routine every day. It doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday. They have the routine and they know the routine. So like <laughs> it goes back to the family thing. If they invite us to somewhere that doesn't fit in our, our routine schedule, it's too difficult <laughs> for us. Mm -hmm. um, like my son is big, so it's very hard to deal with a meltdown when he has one. 
so I avoid them. <laughs> it might sound bad, but it's like it's not like he has behaviors like other teenagers, I think. It's just he has his routine. Like he knows he goes to school from eight to two. Mm-hmm. So he's in his room for that whole time. And then like after that he can do what he wants. And then his bedtime is eight. <laughs> I know that's early for him, but from eight till whenever he goes to sleep, he does his own thing. He's in his room and so you can't ask him to do anything outside of his um schedule. Yeah, like you just <laughs> Yeah. Like as long as you don't and expect that, anything, it's I have been trying we we've been on lockdown well school shut down March. Sometime in March I think it shut down in Ohio. Yeah. And uh we've been on lockdown since March fifth. Uh because my oldest is immunocompromised and my Elliot has asthma, sort of. I think he's outgrown it for the most part, but he still needs an emergency inhaler. And so, like, we just don't take any chances. Like, yeah, I, I don't want, I mean, my oldest gets, Gavin gets uh, IVIG infusions twice a week just to mm-hmm. give him a functional immune system. And uh, he's definitely considered high risk. And yeah. I, I'm not going to take any chances. So we've been locked in here 230 <laughs> 33 days. Um, and we'll go hiking sometimes if we can get to places where there's not a lot of people and things like that. But it's, it's rough, you know, it is, it is. We haven't gone anywhere either. (laughs) We've been home. We walked the dogs around the block and that's about it. (laughs) And I haven't, I've been trying, I've been trying since March to establish some kind of like solid routine where we can yeah. incorporate school and, and everything else. And I just cannot, I cannot get it to work. I it's hard. It I find the only way a routine works for us is seven days a week. It doesn't matter if it's the weekend or like, so like for Cameron for Sunday, because he doesn't have school during mm-hmm. that time, he does his, a live stream because he likes the YouTube, he likes being on YouTube and everything. Mm-hmm. So he does his gaming live stream on Sunday. So that fills in where he should be in school. Then on Saturday, we try, I try to make my, like, I try, I've been trying to make a YouTube channel to show what it's really like, like, mm-hmm. like there's so many, I know there's so many parenting YouTubes out there, but I feel like they kind of like do the dishes before they do the video. I just leave my dishes. I'm like, that's real. That's what it's like. Sometimes you have to just leave the dishes and deal with a meltdown or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to get him to do that. So we find things to fill in where he's supposed to do things. So I can only do things during his time. That's why I had a schedule today. Cause I thought today he wouldn't have anything due today, but he did. So I just told him, we're not going to go to school today. You just play your video games. And it seemed to work for the most part. I'm surprised how quiet he is right now. Yeah. Well, my Emmett already interrupted once and <laughs> yeah. he, he wasn't feeling good this morning. So I called him off. It's so weird to call him off of school when he's gonna be home anyways. But he, yeah. he didn't he didn't sleep. Um yeah. like there's a lot of like the kids are really stressed about the election, which sounds crazy for kids this age. But if you know what's going on in the United States, you understand. Oh why yes. Cameron all, watches it all, all the stressed time. Out. <laughs> he's obsessed with it. Uh yeah. they they are so yeah. worried that um and all signs point to you know, Trump is going to be gone, Yeah. but they're still worried until it happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't, we had the debate last night and, uh, yeah. he, he didn't watch it, but he knew it was on and he just, he didn't see had a hard time sleeping and he woke up with a stomach ache yeah. and couldn't. Yeah. So I was like, screw it. We'll just, you know, he'll, he can yeah. do his work, you know, afterwards. Um, yeah. but that, that, that's another question. Do you, does your son sort of, do do you find that even if he doesn't really understand what's going on, that that he picks up on? Oh, definitely. Like he knew about the corona coming to our area before I did. Like I thought it was in China. I thought it was going to stay in China. <laughs> like way back in March. Like I didn't. I don't. 
I don't really watch the news. I probably should, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew about it and he panicked. He actually put blankets on all the windows and he refused to turn the lights off. I had to call a behavior therapist because I didn't know how to deal with it. Like he, he locked us down in our house. He didn't want us to leave our house. He didn't want anybody to come to our house. He, he shut us down like the week before like our province shot shut, shut down. So because mm-hmm. he's so on top of everything and he's like, it's coming here, mom. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. It, it did. I was wrong, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's so on top of it all the time. He's, I don't know. He's Does it make him really, really good. Anxious? Extremely anxious. He's on like four different anxiety meds because he needs to know everything all the time. I've, tried blocking it i've tried he just he's a better hacker than me he can just block he can hack his way into anything so yeah i i tried i have i have tried to like my kids are so inquisitive well gavin doesn't gavin gavin's not Mm -hmm. very he just sort of accepts whatever you tell him but he's terrified of covid because he knows that he's immunocompromised and uh the other two you know, I, I try to, it's tough because they are, they are so much smarter than their they age. They are. They're so smart. And I like, there's a difference between where they are intellectually and where they are emotionally. Right. And so yes. like, yeah, they want like, to know this information, but then they can't handle it once they have it. And exactly. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. I can't handle it. How do you, how, <laughs> they know it. <laughs> well, and there's, there's no way, like, even yeah. if I tried to shield them from everything, there's, yeah. there's no way. I mean, they still have, you know, their phones or, I mean, it, it's, it's, there's, yeah. there's no way to totally do a media blackout unless we just shut the internet down, which, yeah, I mean, which he knows how to turn which it back is, on. Yeah, let me just, just turn it, it back work. on. So I just, I, I, yeah. I've tried to keep them in the loop on things and, and yeah. we prepared, we have, uh, we, we, we started storing things and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have our masks and supplies and water and stuff like that, just so that, um, we actually started treating it like a zombie apocalypse because that was the best way that they could relate to it. That wouldn't freak them out. And so we used to play Minecraft all the time and we'd start out in like survival. I don't know if you ever played Minecraft, but like you start out in survival and, and we have to build everything up. And then once we get to a certain point. Then we, we, we turn it, uh, we turn all the, the, we up the level so we can bring all the zombies and stuff out and, mm-hmm. and then we have to survive. Right. So we, yeah. we have to live off of our storage, uh, our, our stored supplies, whatever. And then we try and yeah come up with creative ways of existing without being eaten by zombies. And so we mm-hmm. just sort of applied that to this and you know, what would we need to survive a zombie apocalypse? And, and that took a lot of the fear out of it because it's something that they can, it's tangible and they can relate to it and they know how to survive a zombie apocalypse, but they don't know how to survive a global pandemic of, you know, COVID. Uh, yeah. And so you gotta be, you just gotta be creative. You have to be creative and try to think a step ahead of them, which is so hard because they're like five steps ahead of me all the time. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It is. It wears me out. I'm so tired at the end of the day. I was like, what are you doing today? And I'm like, I'm going to bed. It's nine o'clock. <laughs> my, my, my kids, um, they don't get to see their mom as much as they normally would because we both agreed mm-hmm. that it just, it, there's, there's high risk people in her house and there's high risk people here. And there's just yeah. no, I mean, as much as they want to go and as much as she wants to see them, we're not willing to put their health at risk. Um, yeah. and it, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, to, uh, it is. to, to make those kinds of sacrifices and, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it, it just sort of keeps, it just sort of keeps dragging on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. I kind of like the meme there. If the scientists don't find the cures soon. All the angry moms will. Yeah. Well, for real, because <laughs> I think we need to get onto that. <laughs> well, and yeah, I actually, I, I, uh, I, I did my mail and ballot the other day and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very opinionated politically. Uh, and I never was, I never was before. 
no, our kids change us. I think the kids <laughs> changed us, and I think yeah. what really did it for me was was when was when Trump made fun of a disabled person on national TV. That I was done. Yeah, like, that was it. Yeah, and uh, I involved my kids in the the voting process, so they felt. So, so they're kind of learning, you know, they helped me fill out my ballot mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And we made sure to, to vote. Well, I voted all blue down the line, but I also focused on, uh, I also focused on, uh, on voting for women because I, I feel like the men have had a shot and it's time to step aside. <laughs> I mean, the only <laughs> countries that have successfully managed to navigate COVID were run by women. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's time for we, women need to, they need to be allowed to step up and take over and, and we just do what we're told. And, you know, I, I, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do, does, I'm trying to think, I'm so tired. Do you, are, do you find yourself sleep deprived, like on a good day? Like, I'm yeah, I'm so tired. Sometimes I just do things and like, don't even know what I did. I'm like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I have you'll say something and I'll have I'm like, oh, all right, I'm gonna ask this question, and then I totally lose my train of thought. And I that's not like me to do that. And yeah, it's not like me to f- forget what day it is. But I I literally I don't even know what day it is most of the time. I know it's Friday. Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> I had to think about it and I knew it was Friday. I knew it was Friday because I, I had a delivery that only comes on Fridays and, and I can't, I, this whole thing, like, I, I don't know how, I don't know if it's going to be harder to maintain this or harder to try and come out of it. Yeah. After I don't know. we've established, I'm to come out of it. Yeah, yeah. That's my fear is coming out of it and trying to get the kids to leave the house again. Because we've been here for so long. Do you think, I don't know. Do you think he's going to, how do you think he's going to handle it when it becomes safe to. I don't know. Like I I am in touch with a behavior specialist for him. And I told her like, we're good now. But when it's time for him to leave the house and go somewhere, I'm definitely probably going to need some sort of support. They haven't been very supportive though. They don't really understand that his behaviors are caused by anxiety. Like mm-hmm. they think his aggression is autism, which, which it, it probably is, but it's also caused by so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they don't get that. They're like, they kind of, like I said, he was original diagnosis nonverbal because he didn't talk, but now it's more like ODD. So they think he's just defiant. He just wants to be in charge and he just wants to control me. But it's like, if he wanted to control me, if I gave him what he wanted, he'd be happy mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's not. <laughs> so it's like, it's different, you know, like he doesn't want to be in control. He just wants to be control over his anxiety and doesn't know how to say it. So he just My like ch- locking us into the house of blankets. Like it was just. Well, but you, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's not really effective obviously, but, 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 it, <laughs> no, but it's, 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 just, it's you know, I mean, kind of that, that still takes some ingenuity to, to, to even think to do that. Like, yeah, like to like, want to protect I, his family and stuff. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's He's cool. kind of taking the man role in the house. I think he feels that way. So it's me and Sarah. So, but yeah, it's, <sighs> it's hard. It is. And it's so exhausting. It is very. I, I when you if you had to describe being an autism parent in one word, how would you describe it? I don't know. I don't think that word's invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we need to come up with one. I, I always <sighs> say exhausting. I think it's exhausting. It's extremely exhausting and draining. Like, oh, I don't know. It, and it's not like. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, I don't even know if it's just because I have ADHD that it's, I feel more drained or if it's just a normal autism parent thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just. It, it's, well, my two youngest have ADHD, right? And they're on, they, I, they're, they have medication for it. They're on Adderall. And uh, that was a tough decision 
about whether or not to put them on medication for that. And, and they, they don't really need it as much as they get older, you know? So, exactly. so they're not, yeah. they're, they're, but my youngest is so impulsive, so impulsive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you start thinking like, well, if if you give them the meds, I'm like, I'm not worried about managing the behaviors because like I can, I can cope with that. It doesn't, it it's taxing and it's overwhelming, but I, you know, I would put him on meds if it improved his quality of life, because then if it improves his quality of life, it's naturally going to, going to have a trickle down effect to the rest of us. Mm. But, but he is so anxious that you can't even tell what's ADHD and what's anxiety anymore. You know? Yeah. And the way you can tell is if you put him on his, if he takes his Adderall and it doesn't change anything, then you're seeing more anxiety than you are seeing ADHD related things. And, yeah. uh, so I, I just, I, I haven't been giving them their, their Adderall in a while because it just doesn't seem to change anything. And I, I don't want to, I don't know. I hate making those decisions. It's tough. I know I had Cameron on ADHD meds, um, before. And once he hit puberty, he got so, so, so aggressive. Like I had to call the police to help me take him to the hospital. Cause he was just, I was holding him down for an hour after an hour. I just couldn't, I couldn't hold him any longer. My arms were just given out and he was still kicking and screaming and biting himself. And it was just biting me. And it was just, um, I think just seeing the authority kind of calmed him down, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So after that, he hasn't been on his ADHD meds since then. And he hasn't needed them. So, but they increased a lot of his anxiety meds instead. And that's helped a lot. My last question for you is when is the last time you did something nice for yourself? Like self-care kind of thing or. Um, before he was born. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can ever answer that. And that's Before so, he was born? Like, that's so, uh, I don't know. That's such an autism parent thing. <laughs> like, uh, I know, like, the whole dating thing, like, I don't have time. Yeah. You don't want to come to my house? My kids are loud. <laughs> it's like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> How, uh, do, do you, and I always encourage, if, when I, whenever somebody asks me for, like, one piece of advice that I, that I give parents, and I don't like giving advice because I feel like I'm the wrong person to do it. Um, but one piece of universal advice is the importance of self-care and taking care of yourself. And yeah. whether it's your physical health or your mental health or, I mean, there's times that I'll, I'll shut and lock the door in a bathroom <laughs> and just sit in a corner and just don't answer the door when they knock on it. Just like just to yeah. get some, like just to get some space and some free time because like my room yeah. is supposed to be my sanctuary, my little hideaway. It's where I have like my studio and stuff set up. And, uh, and they just, you know, like it's become, I mean, I find their clothes on the floor in my room and it's like, my God, guys, like I need, I need, like I need some personal space and I don't have any. Yeah. And, and so I, I make it a point to, like I schedule these recordings because it's therapeutic for me to talk to like, like talking to you is helping me to, to feel less isolated and less alone. Yeah. And it's so cool to hear other people's stories and, and the things that we have in common and the differences that, you know, our, our kids with the same diagnosis, the, the different experiences that they have or the different challenges that they face. Um, mm-hmm. But as parents, we have to make sure that we take care of ourselves. And so I, I, I always ask that question and very few people can actually just answer it because they, they don't know. And I, and I think that's yes. so typical of, of autism parents. Yeah, that's why I started my blog too. Just writing is just so. So there, so there you go. <laughs> I just, I didn't know, I didn't know you had a blog. It's random. Yes. All right. Well, did you want, did you want when, when, um, I'll email you okay. offline and anything that you want to be shared. Uh, okay. if your son wants his YouTube channel shared or, um, I mean, that's totally up to you. I, I don't know what I would do in that situation personally. Um, cause my son has one as well and I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. 
Uh, but if you want to, you know, plug your blog or anything like that and people can connect and, and kind of grow your circle that I'm happy sure. to do that. And, and blogging is a very positive thing. It is actually my doctor is the one that told me because <laughs> I keep telling her why I'm stressed and she's like listening to me just pour out all my crazy stories and she's like you need to write this stuff down so that's why I call it Tammy in her crazy house because <laughs> my doctor's like you have all these crazy stories you need to write them down so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah I'll definitely def if you if you're okay with it I'll definitely share that because um, I, I I think blogging is I started back in 2010 and that's what actually got me started was blogging and I didn't have any idea how anything worked. I didn't really know how the internet worked. And I just started using it as like a digital diary. Like I would just word vomit everything that I was thinking and feeling, not knowing that other people were able to read it. And I think I read that one and that's what I wrote about in my first <laughs> blog page. <laughs> this is why I'm starting it. All the credit goes to you. Oh, well, <laughs> Thanks. Or you're welcome. I don't know which one, it is. <laughs> but, but it does, it does, it does help. Cause like I, I, I write it down and then I walk away from sure. it. Yeah. I find it, it's helped me a lot. So I'll try. <laughs> so everybody needs to start a blog and share their stories, whatever they're right, comfortable with. Nobody and, wants to hear you. So you can just write it down and <laughs> <laughs> they can just read it. Get all your rant out. <laughs> and, it, and it does, it does. Do you, um, have you received any feedback from it? Like, Not as much as I like. I think because I don't know how to tell people I have one. So I don't know if I'm just like hidden away somewhere, but I get a few. All right. I can help you with that. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it's important that, you know, people get to hear your voice. And yeah. if I can help out with that, I'll, I'll definitely do that. And I'll connect with you offline and, and, um, you know, whatever I can do to help <laughs> That'd be great. get you on Thank your way. You. Cause I, I, that, I think that's so awesome that you're doing that. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to, to say to anybody listening just to advice or whatever? <laughs> the most advice I always give to parents is that it's never what it seems. Whatever you think the meltdown's about, it's probably not <laughs> for us anyways. <laughs> that's a good point. I never really thought about it like that. I mean, little, like he's, he's screaming for like chocolate. It's usually not even about the chocolate. It's just he wants to scream about something. Because if you give him the chocolate, he's still screaming. Yeah. So it's like. That's really interesting. Don't get frustrated because whatever he's saying is not what it is. <laughs> huh. I like for that. me anyways. I don't know. That's what I tell people. <laughs> well, it's true. Because like if you have like a, you think of it as like a pinched nerve or something, right? where it hurts yeah. isn't usually where the injury is. It's like referred pain. And, yeah. and there may be something that that's really a good, the, 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 the chocolate is probably not the trigger. No, whatever it's just, is causing it. he it needs just happens to, to say be, something. And I think he doesn't know what to say. He can't say I'm mad because, you know, my teacher gave me work today and it's Friday and it's not supposed to be work. So he's going to just, Scream the first thing he sees. I want think. chocolate. No, like, yeah, like I just made that up. But you know, it's always not what it is. Like I remember when he was four, his most severe meltdown. It was like insane. He was just screaming, and just the neighbors came over to see if I was like killing him. I think. <laughs> and it was because there was a little dirty spot on his play table. But he wasn't pointing at it. He wasn't looking at it. He wasn't near it. So it was like, I had no idea that's what it was. It was like. Hmm. You have to be a detective. <laughs> you do. R really. You have to be so observant and like, no. And even when you think, you know, like he, he told me, like, I'm always wrong when I was talking for him. So. <laughs> Thanks. At least I tried. <laughs> well, I tried. Li well listen, <laughs> thank you very, very much for taking the time. I, I, this was an amazing conversation. Yeah. And. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, and I don't know, Thank I don't you. know. I'm trying. I, I don't know. It's important. I think that you hear that because it, it, I'm, I'm like my own worst critic and I get down on myself all the time. And, uh, you know, it's important that we remember that we are doing the best that we can and that we're not perfect parents, but we are the perfect person to parent our kid. And I, you know, 
mad respect for everything that you're doing, raising awareness, you know, you're, you're doing all this stuff. And, and, uh, I, I, you know, I know how tough it can be and, you know, so keep, keep doing you. Thank you. And, uh, I'll shoot you an email and, right. and try and get that information so I can, I can get that stuff listed so we can help introduce people to your, your blog. Okay. All right. Well, you take care. All right, awesome. Stay safe. Thank you. And you too. Uh, I'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Before I close things out today, I just wanted to say thank you to Tammy for taking the time to come on the show and opening up about her life and sharing her journey as uh, as an autism mom and talking to us about her son, helping us get to know her and her family uh, a little bit. You know, it's 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 not as easy as it sounds. You know, a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about these things, and that's okay. Um, I, I happen to be very okay with, with talking about it. I assume you guys know that already. If you know who I am or follow me at all, uh, I, I often maybe even overshare sometimes. Um, but it's, it's really nice to talk to another parent who gets it, you know, and, and even if our stories are different, there are so many things that we have in common and, you know, and, and I feel like at the end of, at the end of, you know, these conversations, like I've made a new friend, like I have another ally and, and I'd like to think they feel the same way. So, you know, I'm always here, uh, Tammy, if you need anything, uh, you know, reach out, I'm going to help. I want to help, um, plug your blog. Cause it's, it's awesome. Her, her blog is called Tammy and her crazy house. And that's the best title of a blog that I have ever come across. Uh, so it's Tammy and her crazy so make sure you check that out and subscribe. Links will be in the show notes below. So you'll be able to find all of her information there. So thank you again, Tammy. Uh, as for me, uh, you guys can find me at the My social links are at the top of the page. You can listen and subscribe to this podcast on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. I don't play favorites. Just hit that subscribe button. I really appreciate that. Uh, and if you haven't already done so, if you could just uh, rate the podcast, I would really appreciate that as well. That really, that really helps. So, uh, as I, as I think I mentioned in the beginning, I don't remember everything sort of slurs together now. Um, this is episode 37 of 40 for season three. So there's three more episodes that are upcoming and should be, uh, out in November and then, uh, December and part of January will be, uh, will be off, uh, during that period of time. So that'd be a great time to get caught up on the, I don't know, 60 or 70 episodes that there are right now. Um, I will, however, be looking to schedule uh, episodes with, with other parents uh, during that time. So feel free to uh, reach out. Um, there is a contact uh, link in this player, and I'll have one in the show notes. So you can just click on that and uh, and send me a message. So anyhow, um, this will air on Friday. So please have a great weekend. You guys stay safe, please. COVID is just insanely dangerous, and it's, and it's spreading like wildfire. Please take it seriously. Please stay safe. Please wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands. Listen to our public health care professionals. They are there to help keep us alive. So uh, I wish you guys the best, and I will talk to you next Friday. Thanks. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U.com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.